So the scene, the scene that we're going to be stepping into this morning and the passage that we're looking at is one that could be described as chaotic. All of the believers were gathered in one room when all of a sudden there was this mighty sound like a rushing wind coming from heaven. And then the tongues of fire descended on each of the believers and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in tongues or other languages as the Spirit enabled them to do. And though this all happened just within one room, others within Jerusalem had heard this mighty sound and they came running. And when they, were, when they arrived, they were be bewildered to be hearing their many different native languages being spoken by this one group of believers. They marveled at the sight and they asked each other, how can this be? These people are all from Galilee, yet we can hear them in our own languages from different nations. And we understand what they're saying of the wonderful things God has done. They were amazed and they were perplexed and they wondered what, why this was happening. Yet others in the crowd, they weren't wondering. They made, they'd already made up their minds as, how, as to how this could be and they ridiculed the believers saying, they're just drunk, that's all. This is the scene that we're stepping into this morning and I think it definitely would have been quite chaotic between the sound of the rushing wind, the tongues of fire descending onto the believers, and then the cacophony of voices praising God in different languages, and then others rushing in to see what was unfolding, the scene would have been all-consuming. And for those in the crowd watching this unfold, it's no surprise that they were amazed and perplexed because they'd never seen such a thing like this before. And it's no surprise that they wondered aloud to each other, how can this be? Because how could that kind of chaos be explained? And it's also no surprise that some in the crowd did in fact assume they were drunk. Because what on, what on earth could cause this chaotic behavior? And this is the scene that we're stepping into this morning. One that appeared to be of mounting chaos. And as we step into the scene, Peter is standing up to address the crowd and to be the one who does have an explanation for this chaos. So read with me from Acts chapter 2, verses 14 to 21. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone 
who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. From amongst the chaos, Peter hears the wonderings of the crowd and he steps forward to address them and to set them straight about what's going on. And it's always made me laugh that Peter actually has to point out to the crowd that the people, the believers, they're not drunk. And in fact, he says, nine o'clock in the morning is far too early for that. And I've always thought that it just wasn't generally socially acceptable to be drinking before 10, but it's actually just a biblical principle. So there we go. But what Peter was doing here, he wasn't just laying down a biblical principle. Um, Peter has capitalized on the fact that the crowd were wondering about what was going on. The crowd were curious. They had come running because they'd heard and seen something out of the ordinary, and they wanted to know why. So Peter tells them, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Peter then retells Joel's prophecy, which you can find the original in Joel 2, verses 28 to 32. And he begins with, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. On the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, Peter announces that in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all people. And what is it that has led Peter to make this announcement? Well, Peter has been led to make this announcement because God has just poured out his spirit on all people, and it's causing quite the to-do. Therefore, these must be the last days. The last days have begun with the events of Pentecost, beginning with the Spirit being poured out, descending on that room full of believers. And they will end as the next chapter begins with Christ's return. But for now, some 2,000 years later, the last days still continue, and we are all a part of writing this chapter in our history. In the last days, they will be marked by God pouring out his Spirit, It says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. In the last days, the days in which we exist right now, God's spirit will be poured out on all people. Not just some people, all people, on the young and the old alike, on men and women alike, on those of great power and those with the least alike. God's Spirit will be poured out on all people. Sons and daughters will prophesy. The young will see visions. The old will dream dreams. Everyone will be mobilized in the Spirit. No longer will the Spirit be poured out only upon the leaders, as it was for Moses and his leaders in Numbers 11. Moses, he was exasperated by the demands that his leadership had put on them, and he wished in Numbers 11 that the Spirit would be poured out onto all people so that all would be mobilized to do God's work. And here it is, years and years later, what Moses wished for, what Joel predicted, what Peter 
is explaining it's happening. God's spirit is now available to all. And thank goodness, thank goodness that God's spirit is available to all because what is coming won't be easy. The last days are days marked by God's spirit pouring out on all people. But the last of the last days will be also marked by increasing turmoil and pain. It says, I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. The prophet Joel has painted a picture of the earth facing its fiery consequences for its actions. And it's not a very nice picture, is it? Turmoil and pain, blood and fire, smoke and darkness. But how else would you get the attention of a world that is so immune to badness? In the ancient days, the people couldn't get it right. They constantly struggled with their sinful nature that led them away from God again and again. And in Jesus' days, the people couldn't get it right. They constantly struggled with their sinful nature that led them away from God again and again. And in the days of the early church, which began at Pentecost, the people couldn't get it right. They constantly struggled with their sinful nature that led them away from God again and again. And in today's days, people don't get it right. We constantly struggle with our sinful nature that leads us away from God again and again. If we thought the day of Pentecost was quite chaotic, imagine what the last of the last days will be like. On the day of Pentecost, What it took to get their attention was a loud sound, some gentle flames and some interesting speech. But now, we live in a world and in a society that spirals a little further away from God each and every day. And we have years upon years of this spiraling under our belts, so things have probably become pretty distant. And it's going to take something pretty remarkable to get people to stop and to listen, and to turn back, and run towards God. So God will cause wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, so his people know he is still there. He still wants them. He still loves them, and he still desires for them to draw close to him. It's never been a secret to us that a life of sin comes with its own consequences. A life lived distant from God comes with its own consequences. And the consequences are this, turmoil and pain, blood and fire, smoke and darkness, all rounding up to ultimate death. That has never been a secret to us. But what has also never been a secret to us is the fact that there is a but. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There will be consequence and judgment for sin. 
There will be turmoil and pain. But, but anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. These words that were first spoken by Joel are so important. And they're so important that they're repeated three times in Scripture. Once by Joel himself when he receives this prophecy. Once by Peter here at Pentecost. And then once again by Paul when he's writing to the Romans in chapter 10. And it's so important because the message is one that everyone needs to hear because it concerns everyone. From the filthiest sinner to the one who thinks they're the most righteous in the room, this message is for everyone. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. That is a promise. Your days will not end when the last days end. When the last days end, a new chapter will begin. A new chapter that writes heaven and earth together as one. And a new chapter that is eternal. These words are so important because they're the most basic utterance of hope. If you don't want your story to end... If you want your story to be different, you can do something about it. There is hope. We stepped into a scene of mounting chaos. And as Peter speaks, he produces a picture here of perfect clarity, of the hope that we have in Jesus, that God has not forgotten us or turned his back on us. We stepped into a scene of amazement and perplexment with crowds of people wondering what could be causing this supposed chaos. And as Peter speaks, he brings the crowds into wisdom and understanding by connecting the dots and pointing them forward in hope. Maybe you've noticed that I'm wearing this T-shirt today. Josh looked at me strangely when I put on just a t-shirt for church this morning. But I'm wearing it for a purpose. It says, wisdom begins with wonder. And this quote, it's attributed to Socrates, a Greek philosopher. And it apparently came out of a conversation he had with Plato, who's another Greek philosopher. And what he said in that conversation has been paraphrased down to this nice printable quote um, that I've got on my shirt here. And it was this quote that inspired one of the themes of Easter camp a couple of years ago. Hence the reason I've got a t-shirt with it. And I've mulled over this quote on my t-shirt for the few years that I've had it now. So I was delighted to discover a passage, this passage for today, that told the story of wisdom coming forth out of wonder. Peter, he's so smooth, he pounces on the crowds wondering and he seizes the opportunity to bring them into wisdom and understanding. And I think the Spirit likes to do the same with us. As we spend moments in wonder, marveling at something beyond our comprehension or expressing curiosity about something beyond our understanding, the Spirit is able to seize those opportunities of amazement and perplexment and reveal things to us by imparting wisdom that only comes from God. 
The Spirit makes the most of the moments where we say, I don't know, to show us more about the one that we can know. And our wisdom, it grows not by gaining more facts for our brain bank, but by drawing closer to our mighty God who desires to draw close to us. In my planning months ago, I named this sermon the finale of our Holy Spirit series. I named it Spirit Pour Out. And if I'm honest with you, I don't really know what that looks like from here. So going by that, I think I'm going to have to spend some time in wonder, admitting that I don't know, and allowing the Spirit to lead me into wisdom as he leads me closer to my God. And I would like to extend that invitation to you all here this morning to join me, to sit or to stand in wonder together. This is going to be a time, kind of like last week, for you to simply sit and be still with God. Allow the Spirit to come and guide you. Maybe you'll have something to speak out or pray out. Great, please do that. Maybe you'll feel led to gather some others around you, spend some time praying for a cause or something coming up. Excellent, do that. Maybe you'll feel led to gather, sorry, maybe you'll feel led to sing or to dance or to share a word of encouragement with someone. Please do that. Or maybe you'll feel led to sit or stand just simply right where you are and allow the Spirit to run through you, working from the inside out. And please, if that's you, do that. This is a time to let the Spirit pour out. So ask for that. Ask for God's Spirit to be poured out through your life, through your family's life, through the life of this church through the life of our community. Zoe and Andre are going to just quietly play as the Spirit leads them, but you don't have to join in if you've got other business that you're doing. And then at the end, we'll finish with a song together. But as always, this ministry time remains open for you to pray or receive prayer. If you would like, I can pray with you. One of the elders will surely pray with you or those around you. I'm sure we'll also pray with you. But for now, let's just prepare ourselves before the Spirit. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come. This space, this time, it is for you. And we ask that you would come. That you would pour out through the lives here, through the families here, through our church here, and out into our community. Holy Spirit, we're here for you this morning. And we're waiting on you. So we ask that you come.